0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is episode number 54 of the Lean Blog Podcast for December second, two 2008. Very happy to have as our guest today, Dr. John Toussaint, the CEO Emeritus of ThetaCare Health System and currently the CEO of the Thetacare Center for Healthcare Value. Um, Dr. Toussaint is very well known for his leadership um, of lean efforts in Theta Care, um, done under the heading of the Theta Care Improvement System. They've been profiled in the Wall Street Journal and many other articles about the um, really outstanding quality and cost improvements that they've achieved uh, in their years of implementing lean. This is the first of two podcast discussions that we recorded. Um, a few weeks back. Uh, In this episode, Dr. Toussaint talks about um, ThetaCare's accomplishments, um, reflects on the Lean journey, and shares advice for other hospitals. So I hope you'll come back uh, for part two of our discussion uh, in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. Well, again, I would like to welcome Dr. John Toussaint from the ThetaCare Center for Healthcare Value. Thanks for joining us on the Lean Blog Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I think you know listeners and and readers of the blog have um, you know been exposed to the, the some of the history and the the ThetaCare story um, with Lean and the ThetaCare Improvement System. I was wondering if you could start by telling us a little bit about you know looking back what the overall impact of the ThetaCare Improvement System has been in terms of you know results and improvements that you and the hospital are most proud of.
1: Well, I think. Um you know, there's there have just been a, a, a huge number of uh, improvements. It's hard to say that there's any one of them that we're most proud of. I mean, uh, when you look at our inpatient care process called collaborative care, you know, we've had zero medication errors for the last 19 months. But then you go into the ICU and we've had no ventilator-associated pneumonias uh, at Appleton Medical Center for the last 14 months um mortality rates in heart surgery have dropped dramatically we were at 0.5 percent uh last year 2007 which is significantly better than the sts benchmark and the costs are coming down uh we've taken about 25 million dollars out of the cost structure of data care improved our operating margin by uh about twice what we uh as uh, compared to what when we started so it, you know i mean it it's just sort of everywhere there's uh Significant improvements. Uh, can we? Do, are there a lot of improvements that need to be made? Yeah, you bet. But the reality is, there are a lot of things that uh, that are that are improving.
0: And how does the collaborative care model fit in with um, with lean thinking? How does that contribute to the uh, improvements that you've made?
1: Well, you know, we didn't start our inpatient redesign. Until about four years into the lean journey, at that point we had enough understanding of of the philosophies and tools of lean to really be able to to radically or revolutionarily uh, uh, um, change our inpatient model. So we uh, actually took an old wing of the hospital and sort of blew it up and rebuilt it in the new uh, inpatient care process. Uh, By so doing, we we changed all of the roles and responsibilities of the individuals and changed the process owner. Uh, The nurse is now the process owner in the collaborative care unit. and It's quite interesting to see the nurse-physician interaction uh, now. It's completely different than in the old world where the nurse took the orders. Now the nurse is actually the process owner in inpatient care and so in many cases is calling the doctor to say, doctor, we haven't... uh, Uh, We haven't met these criteria for moving the patient on to the next uh, toll gate of care, so, uh, you know, you better order this test. And uh, that's been an interesting dynamic to deal with is uh, these changes in roles and responsibilities. But, but, you know, when you see the data, uh, which is basically 100% compliance in the quality bundles, uh, about a 30% reduction in the total cost of care and no medication errors, even the doctors can't argue with that.
0: And I'm I'm sure even with the results, um, when we talk about pretty pretty radically changing roles and responsibilities, that I'm sure the change management and people side of that was uh, was still a challenge.
1: Well, and it still is because you know I mean this is existing in an alpha unit, and we now are spreading it to the rest of the units, and. Uh, so, you know, uh, changing the roles and responsibilities of, you know, 1,200 or 1,500 people is uh, it's no small task. And uh, we spend a lot of time trying to understand, you know, how you actually do that. Uh, there's been a lot of good books written, a lot of good uh, things out of coming out of John Cotter and William Bridges and others. Um, and uh, so you have to take all that. You know, Lean is is really about, um, sort of managing, uh, all of the people side of things too, which really is the change stuff. And uh, if you don't spend a lot of time on that part of it, it's, it just doesn't work. So, um, you know, I think and particularly in our industry where, where, uh, we have so many barriers to improvement. And so, um, you know, changing an entire culture requires a real, um, you know, serious commitment to, to uh, really understanding the uh, the key components of of uh, of change management.
0: Sure. One um, other question I wanted to come back a little bit to what um, you were saying in terms of uh, you know preventing errors and uh, you know improving patient outcomes and and, and mortality and um, how you I mean how, it, it seems not in a bad way at all unusual. Um, you, know, you often hear hospitals talking about productivity and uh, you know patient flow and, and labor costs things like that but you know to, to see the impact of lean on, uh, on quality and patient safety is uh, is pretty exciting you know looking at this um, you know I, I can't help but look at this from the standpoint of uh, being a patient um, you know how exciting that is but you know at the same time what do you have some thoughts on what we can do? to to spread results like that and and the use of lean for quality and patient safety you know to um to 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 more hospitals
1: well i think one of the things that uh, uh that i would like to see happen is that those of us that really are on the lean journey uh be uh you know more willing to share uh, these results uh, you know at data care for several years now we've had uh the opportunity to come and visit uh, four times a year, and uh, we usually get 50 to 100 people to come uh, to these gimbas, and uh, we don't charge for them. And uh, so we've really opened our, you know, pretty much uh, any, anyone to to come and and touch and feel it. And I and I, you know, there's certainly others on the journey throughout the country. Um, maybe not quite as f- along in the journey as we are, but certainly there's some good work being done in other places too. And so it'd be, uh, it would be helpful, I think, uh, uh, for everybody to be willing to share with each other, and uh, that's certainly one of the things I'm working on now at the center: is how do we actually facilitate, you know, a network of lean practitioners to uh, uh, to be doing that and to allow others to. Uh, to learn, because I, I truly believe you can't learn unless you go and see and, and really understand what's going on. It's you know you don't learn this stuff by sitting in a classroom, right? Um,
0: so you know Theta Care has has been working with Lean and Theta Care Improvement System for uh, about five years now. You know, looking back, what what are some of the most important lessons learned, and and maybe you know more specifically from from your role of having been. Uh, the CEO of the hospital, what what advice would you have for other hospitals or you know, particularly other hospital executives?
1: Well, I think it's, uh, it's important for hospital executives to, first of all, understand the journey that they're committing to. This is not a project uh, or another, you know, fad that you can kind of, you know, do a few week long uh, kaizen improvement events and and think that you're doing lean this is really about changing the culture of your organization to one of continuous improvement that requires a a significant focus it also requires the executives to learn this themselves and i think you know that's the biggest issue is that you don't learn by sitting in your office you learn by actually going out and participating on teams and uh spending time where the work is being done in the units and the ICU and the clinic or wherever uh so the executives first of all need to uh learn what they don't know and the only way to learn it is to go do it so i think that's the number 1 uh thing is is commit and then learn yourself because as a leader you need to be able to 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 uh to teach and if you can't if you don't know what you're what you're doing, then you can't teach. I think the other uh, lesson learned that that we really did not do well, I did not do well, was um, communicate, communicate, communicate. I mean, that's one of the key uh, uh, components of change management, and, and I did not do that well either with physicians or our staff. So we had to kind of back up three years into the journey and go back and really spend a lot of time describing to people what we were doing, why we were doing it, and uh, and uh, and then also train them in terms of uh, some of these tools because it's very difficult to get 5,000 people on the same page by just doing rapid improvement events or Kaizen. You really need to train and explain things. And then the final thing, I think, for the executives is is that this is a cultural change, and so you have to have a process in place to actually change the culture. Uh, but you don't know what that is until you've studied it and understand it. So the thing you need to do is go to lean companies and really, and that's what we did in manufacturing, and really begin to understand what they're doing differently in the in a you know in a lean company that you uh, versus a, a non-lean company. Again, this pro, uh, this process of learning is is is, is really critical, um, and also the fact that uh, it's not a project, so don't think of don't think of it that way.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important when you talk about um, culture change and, and, and trying to move towards a culture of continuous improvement. Um, if, if you were to step back and, and, and maybe, if you will, diagnose why, there, you know, why why was there not a culture of, of continuous improvement, or at least not as much of one as, as you might have liked, um, either you know, at, at the starting point of theta care or what you hear about with other hospitals.
1: Well, I think that's a you know the root cause is multifactorial. I don't think there's one cause. I I think that uh, part of it is w- the way we're trained. You know, I mean, I never got one minute of continuous improvement training in 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 uh, in seven years of uh, post college training. I got didn't get one minute of continuous improvement. So you know, uh, uh, the training system is all based on kind of the guild, you know, I mean, I trained with Dr. So-and-so and he's the greatest doctor in the world and I'm going to do it like Dr. So-and-so says and, you know, whether it's best practice or not or evidence-based or not and, uh, you know, what we need to do is is to have a training process that, that is, you know, taking continuous improvement into account and we're actually moving toward, um, uh, you know, evidence-based perfor- per- per- performance um, so part of it is training. We don't we don't have a clue uh, how to improve anything. Part of it is um, that uh, healthcare providers are extremely competitive, and frankly, they're not very compassionate when it comes to their relationships with each other. So uh, if you make a mistake, um, you're you know um, you're sort of considered to be uh, 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 defective uh, as a person when we When we know as we've studied these mistakes that ninety nine percent of the time they're process problems, not competency problems so that sort of self uh, it, it it just reinforces itself when somebody makes a mistake and then you get blamed as a bad doctor or a bad nurse, and you d- develop this shame and blame culture which then um you know everybody kind of goes. A- Underground with uh, their performance. They're not willing to report medication errors and they're not willing to talk about transparency of performance. And so we have this uh, self reinforcing loop around uh, no transparency and. And uh then if you add to that no methodology for improvement, you know, I mean at least now at Thetacare there's a methodology. Everybody knows that there's a Theta Care improvement system and the purpose of it and and, and 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 how to use it in some respect. And so if you don't have that and you have all of these other things going on, I mean it's just to it just you can't ever break out of it.
0: And we when you talk about going to the Gemba um I was wondering if you could share some examples of either, you know, what what you learned as CEO, or trying to um, what you helped accomplish, trying to teach other leaders throughout the organization about the importance of of being on the gemba.
1: Well, you know, gemba simply means going to the place where the value is created or where the real work is done, and uh, we as leaders get trapped in our little worlds of uh, firefighting, and so we sit in our ivory towers thinking that we're going to as one cardiologist told me uh you know you're uh, you're at mission control and you got your hands on all the red buttons and uh of course that's not where value uh, value's being created for the customer so if you look at it from the perspective of do you want to influence your customer you've got to go to the place where the value's being created for the customer which is right on the floor of the ICU in the patient room in the at the clinic where the processes being uh, delivered or the products being delivered. So when you go to Gimbo, what you do is you spend time with the frontline workers and the, and the supervisors, and you basically ask them a series of questions. You know, what, uh, what's the biggest problem on your unit? Um, what is your, uh, uh, what, 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 are you, um, what are you focusing on to try to, uh, you know, uh, improve that problem? Uh, What are the things that I can do to help you as a leader? Can I remove some barriers? Uh, Whenever I went to Gimba, the last question I asked was, what can I do, uh, if there's one thing that I could do uh, for your unit, what would that be to help you improve performance? And I would always walk away with homework. Um, And that homework then would be what I considered to be the real work. So all the other stuff I did as CEO was just uh, waste. The, the homework of trying to help those frontline workers re- improve their performance was my real work. And what was interesting is that it gave you a whole different view of what was important to the organization because now I know that you know the nurse in the ICU is dealing with uh, this problem with a physician, for example. So sometimes I'd I'd have to remove physician barriers uh, or uh, maybe there was a resource issue there that you know that we hadn't prioritized uh, high enough, and so I'd go back, and we'd go back as senior team, and we'd say, you know, these people are really struggling over here. If we simply changed the, the prioritization of, you know, what we've uh, already decided, we could really help them. And so we began to sort of start focusing on how can we really help those people that are doing the real work. And uh, that's the that's the power of Gimba. Uh, and then as you go along, as you learn more, you're able to teach people. You know how to how to ask the right questions and and uh, how how to have them uh, solve problems rather than waiting for somebody else to solve them for them. So
0: it sounds like there's a real element of uh, servant leadership encompassed in that.
1: Well, I think there's two schools of management. There's the Sloan School of Management, and we're all seeing the uh, uh, the aftermath of of that mess in Detroit. And then there's the Toyota School of Management, and uh, you know. Who would you rather be working for right now? Uh, and I think that uh, in general, I think that's true for any uh, people that have worked in lean companies can't work in other companies because uh, because they have uh, you know they they um, the entire management and and leadership uh, component of lean companies is just about 180 degrees different than what's being taught in most uh, business schools uh, today.
0: And what, was it challenging uh, to to get people to start opening up when you're asking? I mean, I, I could see that being uh, intimidating because of you know the position you're in or other you know, high leaders in the organization. To, was it difficult to get people to open up to you about what the problems were instead of you know kind of hiding things or just wanting you to go away and and, and not see? Well,
1: yeah, yeah, but we're the problem, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've we've seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. I mean, our management systems are, are are what have created the fact that nobody's willing to share anything. I mean, I tell the story about the nurse who uh uh who uh, point blank told me that uh, you know, when I asked how why they're doing so well with medication errors in their unit that she point blank told me that she wasn't she wasn't reporting them. And as we did the 5 whys on that You know, the first one was, well, because we set up this stupid computer system that, you know, takes her four or five minutes to get into to actually report the error. But then, you know, you keep digging and you find that, you know, well, there's this shame and blame culture and she's worried that she's going to lose her job. And then you say, well, you know, how can that be? You know, why is that? And, you know, because one of her colleagues was fired for making a medication error. And so how could that possibly happen? Because management doesn't have a clue. About continuous improvement, because if they did, they would, they would absolutely recognize that you know 99 percent of the t- medication errors are based on some you know poor process that's in place, not because the, the nurse is poorly trained or incompetent. You know so the problem is us, uh, and we have to change as managers, if we're going to change the, the way uh, the, uh, the frontline workers are thinking about their work, and uh, frankly about management.
0: Um, well, Looking forward, and, and we're going to talk in in our next conversation about your new role at the, the Theta Care Center for Healthcare Value. Um, but looking back at uh, the, the hospital, what, what do you think the most important next steps are for, for Theta Care? You know, lean in Theta Care under um, your success, successor, uh, the new CEO. Well, uh,
1: the most important. Thing is that he understood it as as well as I do and and uh, he reported to me for some twenty years and he actually does understand it better than I do so that's the most important thing um, but I think that uh, that uh, um, the, the the real uh challenge now at ThetaCare care is we we've, we've been really good at doing planning doing and studying but we don't do very good at the acting part. And um so what we need to do is 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 really build that standard work, make sure that it's being applied and uh and then uh, when and then improving it. And uh um and I think that any company that's on the lean journey co- constantly struggles especially in healthcare with this, you know, applying standard work to to the uh to the regular workday, and then making sure that it actually is is being applied, and uh, and and and, uh, and and then having every one of our employees understand how to continuously improve the process, so that you've got five thousand improvement experts out there working the uh, system every day, and you're Im- implementing many of the suggestions that those five thousand people are actually making every day for improvement. So, um, you know, this is a, <clears throat> it's a journey. It's, uh, you know, we're, we graduated from first grade last week and, uh, there's a lot more to learn from great companies like Danaher and Toyota and auto and others. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the next 10 years of work is, is continually learning and, uh, trying to apply these principles.
0: Well, that's very true. We're all learning and, uh, I, I appreciate you, um, sharing some of what you've learned, uh, for, for our listeners and, and, and thank you, especially for, you know, the, the, the leadership role you're taking and helping spread improvement, uh, of, you know, the quality of healthcare through lean and, and through other methods. Um, I really appreciate that and appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today.
1: Thanks a lot, Mark. I enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been the lean blog podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast,
1: email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.